Welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and we are in the season of Advent in preparation for the coming of the Christ child into the world. Woohoo! We invite you to join us as we celebrate and explore this mystery, the greatest gift that God gave for the world. We've got a seat for you. Come on in. Our first scripture is from the book of Isaiah 35, 1 through 10. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and shouting. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be opened. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is taken from the Gospel of Matthew. We are in chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. We can't get through Advent without a little John the Baptist. So listen for the word of the Lord. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven has come near. This is one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. 
Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In July 2018, Angela Hernandez was driving her car near Big Sur down Highway 1, headed to Southern California in her SUV. When a small animal crossed the road, Hernandez swerved to miss it and in doing so, shot her SUV off the road and off a cliff, tumbling about 200 feet to a desolate, rocky beach. She had a brain hemorrhage, fractured ribs, broken collarbone, ruptured blood vessels in both eyes, and a collapsed lung. But she was still alive. When she came to, water was lapping in over her knees inside of her car. She broke her window with a multi-tool, crawled out of the window, swam to the beach, and passed out. When she came to again, she had on no shoes and was banged up, but began walking to the shore for help. She used a hose from her car to collect dripping water from moss along the shore. She walked for days. Up above, she could see cars pass by atop the cliff, but they couldn't see her or hear her screams. It wasn't until a few hikers scouting the beach for fishing spots stumbled across her wrecked Jeep and scoured the beach until they found Hernandez crumpled up sleeping on some rocks. They gave her water and called for help. Eventually, rescuers used ropes to descend the cliff and evacuate Hernandez to a a hospital, ending her seven-day ordeal. Well, that's kind of scary. She found herself in the wilderness, alone, harmed, unable to fully help herself. When we use the word wilderness, when we're in the Bible, it is often a metaphor for a difficult place, bleak. When we think of biblical wilderness, often we think desert. We think no water, no sustainable life hot, and that we're in trouble. And that was valid in that day, the same way that large bodies of water in the Bible, which also would include wilderness, because they were scary, they held mysteries, and ultimately they're out of our control. We, when we go into wilderness, often it's to reconnect with God, we go hiking, but we often take with us tools that we need because we know we'll be going into the wilderness. And wilderness is beautiful. God is to be found in the wilderness. But when wilderness means difficult, scary, broken places, like Miss Hernandez, what then do we do? Those trees in Columbus, Georgia that we so love because it connects us to God through creation gives us a sense of peace until what? Until the storms come, until the tornadoes come, and then 
Those trees that we always love start swaying farther and farther, and then it's out of our control and we become fearful that those trees might come down. The wilderness can be a beautiful and a scary place. Isaiah is talking to us today and is talking to the people about being in a scary place. So in this part of Isaiah 35, the prophet is talking to the Babylonian exiles. Nebuchadnezzar came in, took them out, or at least probably two thirds of them, kind of the middle and upper class they took with them. They were spoils of war as it were and lived as those conquered, but not in their homeland in Babylon. And so while they're there, God gives Isaiah a word that he gives us today. It is upbeat, it is optimistic, and talks about what happens when we find ourselves in the wilderness. Listen, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and shouting. Rejoice with joy and shouting. Rejoice in joy. They're forms of the same word. Be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. The eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf shall be opened. The lame shall leap like a deer. Waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Thirsty ground springs of water. And a highway shall be there and it shall be called the holy way. So as we look at some biblical examples of the wilderness, we know Moses bringing the Israelites out of bondage in Egypt. We're in that wilderness. And we do have a sense that it was bleak. There was not much there for them. We can look at Elijah after he, if you remember the Super Bowl of the gods, went on Mount Carmel, Elijah took on the hundreds of priests for Baal and Asherah. And God brought heaven down and lit it up to show all of them that God is real and present. But Elijah scared and runs from that mean old queen Jezebel who had been shown up and her gods exposed. And he goes where? Into the wilderness, where he asked God to take his life. Instead, God gives him what he needs to sustain him in his journey. The part I want you to take away from this today is that God doesn't or didn't in our biblical record, take the wilderness away from anybody who was in it. God could have brought the Israelites out of bondage through the Red Sea, snapped God's fingers, and they'd be in the promised land. Woo! But God didn't do that. But God was with them in the wilderness. Elijah felt alone and by himself. He could have just taken Elijah, put him somewhere where he would have been safe, put a magic God shield around him and he wouldn't have to worry. But God didn't do that. But God was with Elijah in his wilderness. 
Jesus, in the temptation of the devil, right after he is baptized, he is pushed out into the wilderness and tempted 40 days by the devil. God didn't take that temptation away. God drove him into that place, but God was with him in his wilderness. Thirty-five, eight. again, a highway shall be there in the wilderness and it shall be called the holy way. So the first thing I want you to remember is that all of us live in aspects of the wilderness, some big, some small, on that spectrum of horrible, terrible tragedies, death, grief, health concerns, terrible things to minor annoyances. Part of our lives are always spent in the wilderness as well as I hope always spent in celebrating what we can celebrate about our lives and the gifts we've been given. But what this tells us is that God does not take the wilderness away, but God enters the wilderness and walks with us, gives us a highway that will bring us through. And that, friends, is good news. In our second passage, in the Matthew passage, John the Baptist. What do we know about John the Baptist? Probably related to Jesus, Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother and Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, were both priests. Like Abraham and Sarah, they were told that they were going to have a child late in their life. Zechariah was told that in the temple as he went to serve and service the Holy of Holies. And the angel Gabriel said, because you didn't believe me, you will be mute until the baby is born. And so was the case. Elizabeth advanced in age, conceived. Six months later, Gabriel tells Mary about her pregnancy. Mary, young and on the margins, God chose her, not married, on the margin with Elizabeth, old and impossible to reproduce. God chose both of them, brought them together. John the Baptist born first, some six months later, Jesus born. We assume they grew up together as family and or friends. They would have known each other. John was sent to prepare the way of the Lord. Liken it to church buildings that you pass at night, Often the church sign is right on the front yard facing the road and there's a floodlight. You couldn't see that sign that says Christ this church or that first or second the church or this church of whatever without the floodlight. If that sign is like Christ, John the Baptist is that floodlight shining light, but not the light himself. We are called as Isaiah lifts us up into this highway, this holy way, 
knowing that God is with us. John the Baptist starts us on our path. There are lots of paths. There are lots of directions and people saying, go this way, go that way. John the Baptist puts us on the right one. Often we get lost, we stray from that path, we know it. And sometimes, like a sheep grazing, a little bit more clump here, a little clump here, and then we look back and we can't find from where we started. John is the arrow pointing to Christ. So yesterday, I ran in the Golden Donut 5K. (laughs) Thank you very much. Why did I run in the Golden Donut 5K? Well, first, there's donuts. And secondly, it benefits two amazing groups and ministries in town. The food mill right on 2nd Avenue, right at Mercy Med. And I hadn't been in there before. Y'all need to go. They have both full-service restaurant, breakfast and lunch. I think they close at two or three. But they also have seven locally sourced farms where you have meat, different cuts of meat. You have plants, vegetables that were picked that day from a local farm. They have seven refrigerated uh, uh, cases that you can see through to see what all the different food are. It's right there. So the retail piece of that is great, but then they provide food in that North Highland area of where there is a food desert and there is no healthy food. There is no way for folks who are economically struggling to have fresh food and healthy food. So it's not just that they are a restaurant and they have great stuff from local farms. They are feeding the neighborhood in Columbus. Y'all go support them. Food mill. That's one. And the second one was our friends at Truth Spring. And it's one spring, not two. I always want to say Truth Springs, but it's Truth Spring, one. One spring of truth. And they're in that same community behind in that North Highland area, changing the environment changing the cycle of poverty and no education and homes and vocational training and learning, amazing things. So I said, okay. I hadn't run without somebody chasing me since before the shutdown of COVID. I am not what you might call road ready. But I said, I'm gonna go, this is our mission partner and I'll see what I can do. So the day before on Friday, I'd gone to the um, osteo uh, clinic at St. Francis and told I had a torn meniscus in my right knee on the outside. It wasn't bad, but it's still torn. I said, I've, I've got to run a 5K tomorrow. He said, you are crazy. But I did it, it held up. So three miles, and I'm running, and I'm in parts of town where I don't normally run or walk or live. We were both in that area. We started right at uh, Mercy Med Food Mill. We crossed 2nd Avenue, ran around that area before, and then we crossed the street again, went on the other side of 2nd, back in that North Highland area, came up 5th Street where Truth Spring is building their, their new facility, 
came down and saw the Highland Homes, which I, th I think is neighbor works, right, Kathy? Beautiful, thank you. It was really nice because you were learning as you were running if you were keeping your heart from exploding. So I was kind of in the middle. All the real runners and those in shape were gone. And those who had signed up just to kind of walk were behind me, so it was me. Nobody in front, nobody in back. I didn't get, my family was asleep, they didn't get up. I didn't know anybody, so I'm just trying to run and stay alive without my heart exploding. And you could get donuts along the way. Next year, my goal is to run so I can eat a donut and not die without full intake of air. So as we're running up and down the streets, I keep thinking, where, where am I? If, if I? if my knee gives out and I have to stop, where, where am I? How do I find my way back? And at each turn, which there were many turns, there was somebody stationed. But when I came through, because I was kind of in a clump by myself, y'all know when you're driving, sometimes you're with a pod and if you slow down a little bit, you're by yourself and there's another pod of cars there. Or if you speed up, you get ahead and you're kind of in the middle. That's kind of where I was. And so they were kind of sitting in their car waiting for the next person and I was the next person. Sometimes they would, they would run out and, you know, point that way. But at every step of the way, there was an arrow, a sign. That was an arrow that said, that way. And I couldn't see anybody in front of me to follow I would have been lost running around those streets all day without that arrow guiding me in the way I knew I needed to go. John the Baptist is that arrow for us. How do we find Isaiah's highway, that holy way? It is through John the Baptist pointing us to Christ and starts out by talking about what's the R word we associate with John the Baptist? Rerun? No. Repentance, I heard it. Yes. Right, that word we don't like so much. It's kind of a crazy church word from olden times. Screaming on the street, repent, the end is near. But what John the Baptist is saying to us is, you've got some time. Christ is coming and you need to get yourself ready. I'm the arrow, I'm showing you the path, the holy highway that you're supposed to be preparing yourself for. And on that highway, the way that we stay on that highway and get closer to Christ is to look at those things that keep us from God. We all have those things. And we make goals and we make objectives and we start to chip away at those things we know are difficult for us that challenge us. And then John says, come on, I'm not him, but he is coming. So the road has been blazed with our light, candles of light that are lighting up into our dark world of wilderness struggle. The highway is there, the holy way. God doesn't leave us, God walks with us and makes a highway, a holy way in our moments of wilderness and John the Baptist points us like an arrow to Christ and says, through that tasking of yourself to get closer to God, work on those things so that when the Christ child is born, you can fully receive 
Christ into your heart and life again. This is our call on this third week of Advent. Hallelujah. Amen.